Topside. One, two, three.
know, I really didn't know who Stevie Ray Vaughan was. And who in the devil is Stevie Ray Vaughan? Who is that? Well, he must have added something to your name, or he must have took away something. <laughs> he must have turned it over. I just something. used the whole thing. Oh, you used the whole thing? That's all. Oh, okay. What were you used to Little Stevie. You? Little Stevie. <laughs> hmm. I'm glad I came. Just around the corner from the Alpine Inn and up the hill from Finicky Franks, this is Pacific Street Blues, now in our 32nd year. Well, happy Thanksgiving, and as promised, we're going to take a look at the music and the legacy of Steve Ray Vaughan today. We've got an action-packed show, lots of music. We're going to do it album by album to take a look at it as a kind of a historical perspective, so I think you'll enjoy it. We just heard music there starting off with Albert King and Steve Ray Vaughan in a track there called Ask Me No Questions, and then Howlin' Wolf with a song Tell Me, which of course Vaughan later covers. We're going to continue on with Elmore James doing The Sky Is Crying, Earl King, and then a song from Steve Ray Vaughan where he covers the music of Earl King right here on Pacific Street Blues. 
running low. But I saw kissing Willie across the fence. I heard her telling Willie I don't have no sense. The way she's been acting is such a threat. Just put me in a trick bag. Just don't know what's in my heart and why I love you so. I love you, baby, like a man I love gold. Come on, sugar, let the good times roll.
Steve Rayvon doing the old Earl King track, Come On. Take a brief underwriter's break and we're going to come back and take a look at some of the early influences on Steve Rayvon, including Freddie King and Jimi Hendrix.
by the Jimi Hendrix Experience, a song covered by many, including Steve Ray Vaughan and the band Double Trouble. We also heard from Freddie King and his original version of the song Hideaway, which many are familiar with from John Mayall and the Blues Breakers on their Beano album. It's called the Beano album because on the cover, a young Eric Clapton, who had just joined the band, is featured reading a children's comic book of the time called the Beano. Well, Part of Double Trouble is a guy named Tommy Shannon, who we have interviewed here on Pacific Street Blues, and he's going to become an integral member of Double Trouble when the day arrives. But prior to that, he's in a band with Johnny Winter. In fact, he plays Woodstock with Johnny Winter and remembers going to Woodstock. Well, well you uh, participated in Woodstock. Right. Uh, playing with Johnny Winter. How old were you when you... Uh... I think I was uh, 20 years old. That had to leave quite an impression. Oh, it did. We See, we didn't know how big it, w- it was going to be until after it was over. But I, I remember they had to fly us in helicopters because the, in, none of the vehicles could get there. From the sky, you know, it was just unbelievable. People just went on forever. We, we knew it was something really big going on. And it was quite an experience. Do, do you remember this sensation when you walked out on stage and just kind of looked at all those? I mean, I, I can't even imagine what that must have been like. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. You know, it's been a long time ago, and... Uh, I remember being overwhelmed when I walked on stage, you know, at that many people. And, and the PA, I mean, was bigger bigger than the house, you know, on each side of the stage. And I'd never seen anything like that. When you're, when you're playing, because, you know, with Stevie, I'm sure you were in front of crowds. After the initial shock when you walk on stage, do you just kind of fall into that groove of playing the music and pretty soon you forget that there's... 500,000 people staring at you? Yeah, you do. You know, because that's the main thing. Once you get the groove of the music going, uh, you can actually interact with the people, uh, have a good time. But if you don't have the groove going, there's nothing you can do. There's that many people up there. When you were at Woodstock, did you have a chance to interact with some of the other bands that were playing that day and specific memories of that event, talking to people? Yeah, I I briefly got to talk to Jimi Hendrix and um, Jerry Lee Lewis. He was there. And, um, yeah, I talked to several people. Uh, quite honestly, I can't remember who all because, you know, it was like they had these trailer houses backstage and all these musicians were just walking around talking to each other. And then I hustled down in Texas Where did Chicago go to? i 
Johnny Winter featuring Tommy Shannon about the time of 1969 when he's playing uh, Woodstock. This next track we're going to hear is Mark Bino and the Nightcrawlers doing a track called Eight Ball. And this is a band that Vaughn's going to join and he'll meet Doyle Bramhall when he does. They eventually become songwriters together. And you'll hear a reference here that I suspect led to the track they're later going to write together called Dirty Pool.
when you're locked in the eight ball, baby. I knew you the one who playing dirty blues. Well, I wanted to play a song here in the middle of the night. Question about it. On this song, of course, features uh, Luann Barton. It also features Jimmy Vaughn, who, of course, was Stevie's brother. And uh, there was a comment made in the in the Austin Chronicle interview interview with you guys where you talked about how when you're on stage with Jimmy, everything's copacetic or fine. And But there's kind of a timid eggshell, I think was the term, relationship offstage. Sounded yeah, interesting. Uh, actually, you know, I think, that might have, might be a misconception, really. I mean, Jimmy's our dear friend. We play with him, and we go over to his house. He comes over to our house. We visit and all that. He's a very strange person in the fact that he might come over to your house and sit down, and if he doesn't have anything to say, just kind of sit there, which feels kind of weird. Just kind of like, well, can I uh, get you something to drink? No, nah, thanks. <laughs> just sit there. So you just, huh, well, he doesn't want to talk. Let's see what I do now. Yeah. Yeah, he just, uh, totally himself, you know, and uh, but it, but we're great friends. We're both in recovery together, and I mean, I love Jimmy, and every time I look at him, you know, I see Stevie in there. <laughs>
from ZZ Top in a track entitled Low Down in the Streets, we're taking a look at the people that influenced or were early influences on Steve Ray Vaughan's career. And so the story goes in the mid-1970s, Vaughan is performing at the Adolphus Hotel in downtown Dallas, and ZZ Top is kind of in the audience and they, you know, get up and, and jam with him a little bit on a track by the Nightcaps called Thunderbird. And right away, people see that there's a element to Vaughn, uh, which is national in scope, that he's got a talent, and it's a unique talent. And so as ZZ Top is kind of beginning to break out, 
they're connecting with Stevie now. ZZ Top is out of Houston. Stevie's originally out of Dallas and then eventually does move to uh, Austin where he kind of... The track we just heard by ZZ Top, Low Down in the Streets, is a reference to the Rome Inn. And the Rome Inn was kind of a residency where Vaughn had served and, again, repeatedly ran into the guys at ZZ Top. Another influence early on was Luann Barton and, of course, her brother, his brother, rather, Jimmy Vaughn. And they had recorded numerous songs together, but she was in a band with Stevie called Triple Threat. And so this is when Stevie's career is kind of beginning to gain momentum. And uh, she's a big influence on that. In fact, they have a romantic affair for a while. And another player in the band is a guy named W.C. Clark. And W.C. Clark is the guy that wrote the song Cold Shot, which Vaughn is going to cover and, you know, get some notoriety with that. It's such a tasty little track there. But we're going to take a look at some of the other uh, people that are involved and influential. One is Eric Johnson. He's a contemporary of Stevie Ray Vaughan. And it's interesting how they meet is Vaughn is having a relationship with Lindy Bethel. And her roommate is Mary Beth Greenwood, who is dating Eric Johnson. And it sounds as though from the book that I've referenced, which is by an author named Carrie Lee, that they were all kind of crammed into this one house together. No one's really wealthy. They're, they're living hand-to-mouth as uh, musicians trying to make it. And so he meets Eric Johnson that way. And then, of course, we're going to take a look at the fabulous Thunderbirds, which includes his brother Jimmy Vaughn. And, and it's through this band and the efforts of Stevie as he's, his career is taking off, he's bringing the fabulous Thunderbirds right behind him. In fact, giving them key positions on television shows and on tours and on special slots to try to promote them, which, of course, it does take off eventually. Uh, and another member of the band, uh, the Fabulous Thunderbirds, is, of course, Kim Wilson, who continues to record uh, not only under his own name, but occasionally under the Thunderbirds. <laughs>
from Buddy Guy doing the original version of Mary Had a Little Lamb. That's going to appear on the Texas Flood album from Stevie Ray Vaughan in 1983, along with the title track by Larry Davis. Now, what's interesting about 1983 is that's kind of when Vaughan's national career is going to launch. And like so many artists, he's going to owe, in part, that to David Bowie. Now, Jackson Brown plays an instrumental role, as do the Rolling Stones, but if you remember, David Bowie helped relaunch careers for people like Iggy Pop, Tina Turner, and Peter Frampton, and he steps up to the plate to try to help Stevie Ray Vaughan, and in fact, as we're about to hear, Vaughan records six of the eight tracks on his album, Let's Dance. What kind of happens is they come to an impasse over what the expectations for the young Vaughan, whose career is just beginning to take off, and David Bowie, who kind of knows what he wants, it ends up that Vaughn does not tour with Bowie. At the same time, his album comes out. Let's hear tracks from Bowie, as well as Ali Venerable and Corey Stevens, right here on Pacific Street Blues. Pacific Street Blues 
That's a newcomer, Ali Venerable, doing a track there called Love Struck Baby. That appears on the first Stevie Ray Vaughan album. And what we're going to do today is kind of track our way through his albums, taking a look at the people that covered Stevie Ray Vaughan, who incidentally covered a lot of people too. For example, we're going to hear another song from the first album, this one done by Corey Stevens and the band Texas Flood, a track called Lenny. And what you'll hear at the very end, let me play it for you, is a reference to the Jimi Hendrix track, The Wind Cries Mary. Anyway, pay attention at the end of this track, and you'll hear that reference. Thank you. 
there with Otis Rush in a track called Double Trouble. Eventually, Stevie Ray Vaughan's band will be named after the track Double Trouble, but originally it was named Triple Threat and featured Luann Barton and W.C. Clark. On Vaughan's second album, Couldn't Stand the Weather, which comes out in 1984, Vaughan will cover a track from W.C. Clark called Cold Shot. Let's hear that track right now from W.C. Clark. We're also going to hear Tin Pan Alley, the original version by Jimmy Wilson and his All-Stars, which came out long ago on a 78 RPM. Yeah. 
Wilmington Pan Alley The roughest place in town They start cutting and shooting As soon as the sun goes down Hey, tell me What kind of place can I be? of the original 1953 recording by Jimmy Wilson and his All-Stars and the track Tin Pan Alley, which Steve Ray Vaughan covered on his second album in 1984 called Couldn't Stand the Weather. We're taking a look in the music and the legacy of Steve Ray Vaughan, and we're doing it by looking at the people that covered his music and the people whose music he covered. And he was one that would cover music and thereby make those songs and those songwriters better known among his listening audience. Well, between 1984 and 1986, Vaughn is going to record a live album. It's not considered critically to be a very good representation of his shows. In fact, the band is pretty much soaked in drugs and alcohol at this point. But shortly after the release of the album, he's going to go through a number of experiences. He's going to hit the bottom and begin to reach towards sobriety. All right! Yeah, for Stevie Ray, man, yeah. <laughs>
take a brief underwriters break and come back and take a look at the music of Steve Ray Vaughan when we explore his album Soul to Soul which comes out in 1989. 